you are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news and you have Punch Radio on. And today in the studio, we have Dave and Jody and Kathy and Tony and Brennan, and we will hear from Hank and Craig. Today, we want to talk about a variety of things. Um, Dave and I have been really obsessed with artisanal reality shows lately. And I'm talking about like the you know, Great British Bake Off, Forged in Fire, The Blown Away. So we're going to kind of talk about a little bit of, of, of those shows, which ones are the ones to watch and which ones to avoid. Tony and Kathy are going to talk about the Hasbro Fan First Fridays. And on that same kind of vein, Brennan's going to talk about Toy Galaxy, which is a cool little uh, informative show as well. So, okay, we're going to kick things off um, and talk about artisanal reality shows. So the first one that I can remember seeing was Iron Chef. And this was in like the early 90s. It started in 1993, ran to 1999. And it was this like kind of wacky, really over the top dynamic stadium where they would have chefs compete based on ingredients. Yeah, dubbed into English. They had a, a bank of three chefs uh, and every week they would pick a new ingredient. And even before it became like an Americanized show, this thing was a, this thing was a TV powerhouse. Massive. And, and one of the first reality TV shows I can remember was also kind of like a game show. Yeah. But every week people made stuff. Yeah. What I liked about it is you actually learned a lot about ingredients and preparation and, uh, it, and everything looked amazing and delicious. The cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of that show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally, right? Iron Chef Sakai is sauteing with these ingredients, mushrooms, mussels, shallots, <laughs> And buttermilk. And everything had squid ink ice cream at the end. So yeah, it was a great show. And it spawned a ton of cooking competition shows like Top Chef, Hell's Kitchen, Cake Boss, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't want to spend too much time today on the like more food related ones because there's a million of them and some are good and some are not so good. But, but that was the granddaddy. That was like even even something as big as Great British Bake Off maybe wouldn't they, they have the same same kind of format. Same kind of format with the, the making and then the judging. Um, True. Uh, Iron Chef had 309 episodes. Um, Great British <laughs> Bake Off has a mere 104 episodes. It's been running for over 10 years. Uh, and it is a great show. And it, again, spawned you know, the Great Canadian Bake Off, the American Bake Off, and like countries all over the world have their version. But again, what I like about that format is that they have like three rounds. They have a signature challenge, they have a technical challenge, which they're going into blind, and then the show stop. Ah. And they're really good. And again, you learn about preparation. Um, and everybody's really likable in these shows. Like, I mean, you, you get a favorite. They're pretty down-to-earth people. Um, and they're really fun to show, to, to watch. And the, the hosts are always good, whether it was uh, Sue and Mel or Noel and Sandy and then later Matt. Uh, the hosts are always good. And the judges, Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood are awesome too. Yeah, I thought Great British Bake Off kind of took that negative aspect of competitive reality TV. And even though it is a competition, um, you don't see a lot of nastiness and allegiances and stuff like that on those shows. And maybe that's because ultimately they're competing for a plate. Yeah, like the prize isn't something great. You get a plate and a bouquet of roses or whatever. Yeah, but it's huge 
yeah. in terms of bragging rights. Like if, if you win the Bake Off, you're, you're kind of set as a career, whether you want to go into television or, you know, food. True. It's not like Survivor or Big Brother, or those kinds of shows where the prize is fame. Um, and where the people don't create anything. Yeah, they're useless. So they, like, <laughs> these are really cool. Um, another early uh, ga game changer was Project Runway. Uh, that was 2004 to 2017. And I, again, I liked that show because it had skill. You had to invent a design. You had to actually cut and sew the, the garment, fit it on a model. Everything had to come together and there was lots of room for error. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not that into fashion, so I didn't love that one quite as much as some of the other ones. There's a new one that's out right now called Next in Fashion that's on Netflix and we tried to watch it and it's terrible. It's just kind of shallow. You know, it's all about making clothes for size zero models to wear for three minutes. And it's what you expect from American reality TV, to be frank. Like if you're into that kind of thing, there's lots of catty competition, really vivacious personalities. Yeah, a lot um, of undermining and manipulation. But ultimately they don't spend that much time like showing you what it's like to sew a dress. No, they don't dwell on that. You don't learn how to sew. You don't learn about seams. It's kind of, again, useless, mindless. Um, okay, my one of my most favorites is Forged in Fire. So this has 161 episodes. It's been on since 2015. And in this one, it's blacksmiths uh, who generally they make blades. So some kind of knife and they have four guys and sometimes women, um, they have to forge a knife, then they have to finish the knife and then they test the knives and then eliminate two of the competitors so that the last two go home to their home forge and make something like crazy elaborate and beautiful and functional, and then they have to come back and test them. And again, really down to earth people, you actually learn a lot about forging and smithing, which is fascinating to me. All of the judges are people that I think would be pretty fun to hang around with. Like Doug Markaida is salt of the earth, uh, David Baker, Ben Abbott. I don't know if that I'd wanna hang out with Jay Nielsen as much, but. Like, they're good people. It's just, it's a fun, nice show. It seems like real people doing real down-to-earth work. What they make is beautiful when it's good, but there are enough ugly pieces in there that I believe that it's real and that they're not getting helped out, you know, by somebody behind the scenes to make their work look a little prettier. Every once in a while, there's a real, there's a real bad egg in there. Yeah. And like I've watched every episode of this show up until the ones that have aired over the last few weeks. And if you watch really closely in the testing of I think it's the most recent episode, episode one, the series premiere, when Doug Markaida is testing the first blade and he's driving it into the ballistics dummy, which always has lots of gross fluid gushing out of it, like fake blood and stuff. He's got a big splotch of fake blood on his elbow before he goes into the dummy. And then when you watch him go into the second dummy, he's got a clean elbow before he does it. And you can see that splotch appearing on his elbow. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, it's a little continuity glitch, but it reveals that the second dummy tested was actually the first one shown when they edited it together. And, and that really like shocked me yeah. because I trust this show so much to just show you the real deal that even a little thing where they showed the testing out of sequence to add drama to the competition. It, 
it, it, it took me out of my seat a little bit. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah, because most of reality TV is so prefabricated. Yeah, it's, it's so manipulated, so scripted already to have that happen. You know, it, it's inevitable. You know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, yeah, like when you watch a show like Blown Away, two seasons on Netflix, it's, it's great. Again, you're meeting everyday people. You're actually seeing stuff being made. You're seeing start to finish and it's really interesting. But like when they're talking to them um, about like how they felt about that particular episode, they're all wearing the same shirt. So like those were all filmed at once. So you know that there <laughs> is like some manipulation there, yeah. but it's still a really interesting show. And it, those two, Blown Away and Forged in Fire are so much more interesting to me than Making It, which is like a makeup or that's the craft one, which I haven't seen yet. That's Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. It sounds amazing where you have to make crafts. Yeah. Um, there's one on Netflix called Big Flower Fight, which sucks. There's a makeup one, which kind of sucks. And the last one that I'm going to mention is Nailed It because it is so fake. Like they give these people like 45 minutes to make like a wedding cake. And it's like, well, you can't even bake it in that time. It has to cool before you ice it and stuff, stupid. Like Everybody they're set that. Everybody up knows that. to fail. They're set up to fail. And that's where the drama comes. And I don't like it when it's just being mean. If they're just being mean to the competitors and not really giving them a, a fair shake. Then you're basically back to the gong show, which is where this whole reality TV thing probably started anyway. That's true. Okay. So I would say go on YouTube and watch old uh, episodes of Iron Chef. Get yourself some Great British Bake Off. A lot of those are on the CBC channel. Mm -hmm. uh, Forged in Fire uh, and Blown Away. Uh, Blown Away is on Netflix. Those are good ones. Those are the best ones and well worth checking out. And you can jump into any of these at any time. That's the great thing about artisanal yeah. reality TV. No continuity. Yeah, every, every episode is its own thing. Okay, Tony, Kathy, tell us about Hasbro Fan First Fridays. Okay, so Hasbro Fan First Fridays started May 1st, 2020. Um, and the idea was that Hasbro was going to release their upcoming toys on a Friday to create some hype and stuff like that. And they thought that they were going to do this every Friday and release so many toys. But that, that really hasn't happened. They've done maybe every four weeks or so release upcoming toys what's going to come out so the, the last one that we watched and listened to or whatever on all the, the youtubes and whatnot was january 29th and this one had a lot of star wars so that's the one that we were interested in the star wars one uh was really a, was it was big because nothing has really been shown for 2021 at all so we were all kind of waiting to see what's going to be new and people got excited and I just want to see right away, I don't really know if I like Fan First Fridays. No. No, because two things happen. Number one, they do all the pre-release uh, pre orders like right after yeah. the, the, yeah. the, the show. And when that happens, I'm at work. It was noon. I'm like, Friday at noon. I'm like, yeah. I can't just jump into the computer room and start punching in orders. Yeah. So that is kind of a drag. Also, 90% of the things that they actually show you are all 
going to be exclusives to different different stores. And exclusives and the pre-orders go up and you're punching into the computer and then you realize, oh, it's in US only. Oh, yes. and then, oh, we don't have that store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, and that is the thing. And, Canada. So that's the thing also, yeah. Canada is great and we will get these toys eventually, but they don't have, we don't have a Target. So sometimes it goes to Toys R Us, you know, Best Buy doesn't really sell toys in Canada. So that doesn't really happen. So all these exclusives, are hard to get. Even Amazon. Even Amazon, yes. The Amazon go... ones did not show up. So yeah. I just want to say being Canada is harder, but you know, if you know some friends in the States, get them to, <laughs> they get them to ship it to you. So that first Friday was fun. What kind of stuff uh, did you see there on Fan First Fridays, Kath? Well, so the vintage collection, they're doing this original 96. Oh, the original 96 from the actual 96 that were released in the 80s, up to 83, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like the 3.75 little figures on the cards. Um, the Walmart exclusives that they released, or not released, but talked about releasing. Yeah. Um, there's the AT-ST driver, um, Paplu. Paplu, that's an Ewok, by the way. For, <laughs> yeah. for all you scoring at home, it's yeah. an Ewok. Wreck the original trilogy, but go on. <laughs> And Leia, Leia Endor. Yes. Now, the, the funny thing about these are, again, it's these things that are actually just repaints. So these actually have been, they came up before in different sets and they're repaints. So they're not new figures by any means. No. They're just using some new technologies to, for a facial and so on. But yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Leia will have photo reel. Yeah. Yeah. She'll have so different face. Different yeah. face. Yeah. How about Paplu? I think what they're doing is they're making him uh, probably cooler than he was last time. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, cooler looking, little, maybe a little less Ewok. Soft, soft goods. Maybe I mean, less Ewok, more, yeah. more Chewbacca. I don't know. Okay, go ahead. So um, <laughs> the other, some other things that they talked about. So Ahsoka and Darth Maul are also coming yeah. out in the 3.75, which yeah. is kind of related to the Mandalorian and the hype among yeah. all of them. Six inch black series things that are coming out. There are Lucasfilm 50th anniversary things. There are uh, Best Buy exclusives, kind of from the Phantom Menace. So we have Battle Droid, Mace Window, Qui Gon Jinn, Jar Jar Binks. Jar <laughs> Jar! Jar Jar! And they had no pictures for some things, but talked about in the future, we're going to do this um, a Bad Batch thing or a Sing. Yep. Zero. Costco Reeves and General. Lando. General Lando. Cool. So what, is, what does General Lando look like? Uh, he wears a cape. Okay, so that's, cape. It. that's it for that. <laughs> he wears a cape. But does he? There's a cape involved. Okay. It's okay. There's no pictures. When Billy D. Williams, Billy D. Williams came to Saskatoon and I met him and I got him to sign something and he was wearing a cape. I guess Billy D. Williams wears a cape as well. When when we got pictures taken of you, we had no cape. Yeah, no cape. No, there was no cape. Okay, there we go. Thanks. Well, we'll throw things over to Hank and Craig next and get their take on pop culture for the week. And then we'll be back with Brennan talking about Toy Galaxy. Hey everybody, Craig Silliphant here, and I'm here with my buddy Hank Cruz on CFCR 90.5 FM, and we got a few things to talk about today. I got a couple of TV shows, and uh, Hank's got a couple of things too, so uh, why, don't, uh, why don't you start out by telling me, Hank, about a show that I hadn't even heard of until recently, and it's in season three now, 
uh, but it's I'm, I'm hearing some good buzz about it. Uh, Yellowstone. So Yellowstone is uh, Kevin Costner's uh, show on uh, Paramount Network, which just so happens to show up on Amazon Prime here in Canada. Now, season three is done. Season four is already shot. They shot it during COVID because uh, it's uh, they're out on a ranch in Montana where they're in the area, I guess, was no COVID. And so all the cast and crew and everybody stayed on the ranch and everybody lived there and mm -hmm. they were getting COVID tests all the time and they managed to film the whole thing and uh, didn't have to worry about it. So that was kind of cool. Anywho, Yellowstone follows the Dutton family led by John Dutton, Kevin Costner, who controls the largest ranch in Montana. Actually, I think the largest ranch in America. And King Costner, or Dutton, is at odds with everyone around him as they're all trying to take his land away from him. So it's an intense, brutal, violent drama about family tradition and what a man will do to hold on to his dream of leaving, leaving a legacy behind him. Three seasons on Amazon Prime right now. Season one, honestly, was a slow burn. Uh, the first couple episodes, because I heard from uh, Mike uh, from Sask Expo there that uh, he's like, oh, you got to watch this. And I'm watching, I'm like, eh, really, Mike, really? And then uh, about halfway through season one, I'm like, oh, season two ramps it up there. Season three is even better. But what I would recommend is that you don't watch them all binge-like because you will be so immersed in this thing. You're going to think that you live on a ranch. And when you go to work, you're going to be embarrassed. The things you're going to say to your coworkers, it's not going to be good. It's not right. going to be good. You got to watch them sporadically. It's like, oh my God. Uh, but uh, it is about them, honestly, how to survive on this ranch. And there's all these uh, politicians that come into play that are trying to take the land. There is uh, a bunch of uh, crooks that are out there that these uh, hedge fund guys are trying to take. But ranch justice, okay? There's lots of murder. And a lot of cows too and horses and stuff like that. But yeah, I, once I was done, I'm like, I, I am a ranch hen now. I live on the ranch. So you're looking at me, you're like, yeah, you're a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. You go right. to check it out. And this kind of falls into that like modern Western territory. Like, isn't one of the creators, the guy that made like hell or high water as well? Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, yeah, he wrote almost, I think actually every episode he wrote, he directed some uh, executive producer and uh, the cast is great, and uh, it doesn't focus 100% on Kevin Costner, so he doesn't have to carry the show all the time, uh, which I thought was quite nice uh, in there as well. But yeah, it's it's a modern Western, uh, but a lot of, uh, yeah, I didn't realize uh, how good it was going to be. And I, I, I was with you. I'm like, what is everybody talking about? But yeah, you need to check it out. Uh, the other show uh, that I uh, finished watching is Two Weeks to Live, uh, which is on uh, Crave. It's an HBO Max, brought it to North America. Uh, Six-episode miniseries uh, released on Sky UK. Follows this badass woman, Kim Noakes, uh, played by, is it Maisie Williams? I think it's Maisie from Game of Thrones. Maisie? That sounds um, and she has been raised off the grid by her mother since her father was murdered in front of her as a young child. So she is led to believe that the world is ending in two weeks. So she leaves isolation for the first time ever to go hunt the man who killed her father. But of course, she's been trained by her mother in hand-to-hand -hand combat and a bunch of gun violence. Uh, it is part comedy, part action movies. There's enough tasty treats in there to keep everyone entertained. I just showed about a 77 out of 100. It's uh, got some, I would say, some unique parts in there, but it still looks like a BBC show. Like after the first two minutes, if you didn't know, you'd be like, eh, I bet this is from BBC. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So it was good. Check it out. Nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, definitely check those out. They sound good. So uh, I have been a, immersed in the Night Stalker on Netflix. So uh, four episode, um, I guess, 
limited mini series, whatever you want to call it, a documentary uh, about the, you know, the famous Night Stalker case from the 80s in uh, Los Angeles primarily, and also a little bit in San Francisco. Uh, now, it's an interesting documentary because it like it, it's such a fascinating case like the, the I, I don't know if I should name the killer or not it's obviously pretty well known but they don't really name him for a couple of episodes so I don't want to give it away if somebody doesn't know who it was uh, and it's not really a mystery I mean they say his name eventually and it doesn't really mean anything to you if you don't know him. but uh, he was a serial like killer and rapist and did like all this crazy stuff that like you know, most serial killers eventually form a pretty like standard like MO where they're sort of trying to do one thing or looking for one thing or they keep killing people in the same way. He was just nuts. Uh, like he would just and he would like commit several, you know, occurrences in an evening, even if he didn't get what he wanted out of the first one, he'd just go two blocks down the street and do another one. Um, and then there's a lot of like, you know, it's, it's really taken from the point of view of these homicide detectives that were trying to figure it out. The problem with this documentary, and it's still probably worth watching, but it's, uh, it sort of focuses on the wrong things a lot. Like in the end, you don't really learn that much about the Night Stalker. Uh, and you sort of, sort of learn a lot about these cops uh, who often like bumbled the case, but it's not really presented that way. It's kind of presented like they're the heroes. Uh, but there's a lot of like, sort of 80s style bumbling that goes on that like they could have caught this guy a lot faster and a lot easier and of course people were dying like at a, at a pretty good rate while they were bumbling uh yeah and other just missteps like that so i mean uh it's definitely like worth watching if you kind of like that true crime stuff it, it's you know it looks really good it's it's well put together but you know don't expect to get too much insight and maybe even expect to yell at your tv a little bit about how dumb some of these like cops are <laughs> um, I've also been watching season two of The Servant on Apple. And if you remember season one, uh, it's like, it's, it's a show that I love and I hate because it's a really cool, like freaky, weird, creepy, atmospheric mystery uh, sort of produced by M. Night Shyamalan. But it's also, uh, as I was kind of saying about the Night Stalker, like there's just some writing in the show that's terrible, where like characters do things that just don't make any sense, or they, you know, you know, the, you know, one guy knows the answer to something, but that character, nobody, no characters will ask him that question just because the audience can't know yet. But so it makes for conversations that like don't live in reality, just other stupid little uh, writing things like that, where it becomes like kind of annoying. Uh, however, uh, it's a pretty crazy story. It stars uh, Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under, and she plays a mother who has had a, a death of a child, basically. And so the people around her, including, uh, I, I forget the name of the guy that plays the husband, but um, Rupert Grint from the, Ron from Harry Potter plays her brother. And they're all kind of circling around her in the first season, trying to like, um, you know, make her, uh, like she's she's got this basically fake doll fake baby doll that she like, you know, uses as a uh, psychological crutch really to kind of get over this. And then this nanny comes in and the baby becomes real again. And, you know, it's just, it's really supernatural and confusing. I don't want to say too much without giving anything away again about this too, because there's lots of twists and turns in it. So uh, season one had a pretty crazy ending and season two is about three episodes in now. And I'll say it's been less annoying than season one, uh, except the only problem is like, 
they there's a lot of stuff i need to go back and read like what happened again in season one because they don't really slow down to tell you that stuff in season two and even though i watched season one i can't remember some of the stuff that happened and they're sort of treating it like i should remember uh so you know um but definitely worth checking out if you like some creepy atmospheric stuff just again prepared to yell at your tv a little bit so uh, and the uh, the Night Stalker one, do they go uh, right to the end so they actually figure out who the guy is, catch the guy, and, and they tell you all of that? Yes, yeah, for sure. You so see, it's not man. like at the end of some of the other ones where it's like, and now go do your own research. The end. Yeah. No, you, you just don't really learn much about why he did what he did, but you do see him like the manhunt and him getting caught. So uh, you can check those two out or not, as well as uh, Hank's shows there. So uh, that's it for us. Let's throw back to Jody. Okay, Brennan, Toy Galaxy, you are on. Okay, before I begin, I would just like to put my little plug in for Ink Master. That was one of the reality shows that I really liked. Ooh. Even my tattoo artist friends were like, well, you know, same thing with sequencing and editing because they come back the next day with a fully healed tattoo. It seems like it's right away, which wouldn't happen. It takes about two or three weeks. Anyway, I liked Ink Master. So a little plug for that one. But let's talk about Toy Galaxy. So Toy Galaxy is a channel that you can subscribe on the U of the Tube. And they also have Toy Galaxy 2, as in T-O-O, that has videos that don't make it to Toy Galaxy proper. Um, it is hosted by Dan Larson, and they specialize in talking about toys, obviously, um, and other pop culture type topics. So they talk about movies and cartoons. A lot of them have tie-ins with a toy franchise or how the toy influenced the cartoon or vice versa. But they also have a series where they talk a lot about failed 80s TV shows. They talk a lot about the 80s pop culture. And I think that's just because there was such a surge of cool toys and neat cartoons and things. So for example, I started getting into it because I was looking on YouTube and I found this heading that said, the story of the very bizarre short-lived Manimal. Does anyone remember the TV show Manimal? Yes, <laughs> we do, we do. I loved it as a kid. I thought it was the greatest show ever. I had no idea, it didn't last that long and it was a big flop. And so they talk about Manimal, they talk about Street Hawk, they talk about Auto Man, they have an episode about Turbo Teen. Remember Turbo Teen, the cartoon? He was a teenager that could turn into a Ferrari. Oh, uh, yes, I do remember that. It was horrible. Yes, it was horrible. Yes. I do. And so they, they talk about these sort of offbeat shows, which, and again, I, as a kid, I thought were huge hits. It turns out they were trying to make shows to go up against Dallas, and Dallas was such a juggernaut of a ratings frenzy that they kept putting out these crazy shows to try to compete and no one could knock Dallas off the top of the charts. Keep in mind, this is when there was one TV in the house and your parents probably had their own control. So they don't want to watch Street Hawk or Manimal, they want to watch Dallas. Most of the videos are about like eight to 12 minutes long. So they're a nice bite-sized bite chunks. Really informative, they really do some deep diving. And it's a whole genre, like again, all the cool pop culture genres you could think of that have to do with cool cartoons and toys and TV shows, um, all summarized in a really good digestible way. So go check it out. It's, I could keep talking about it, but just, just go watch them. Go watch it. Well, which animals could Manimal become? I, he, there were three, right? He could become an eagle and I want to say maybe a wolf? A panther? No, it, was, it was a, a lep no, a panther, some kind of panther. Yeah, right? yeah an eagle and a panther. And I forget. Technically, he could turn into anything, but he only ever turned into three or four. And they spent right. so much in the butt, like the, the initial effect, the panther effect, I forget his name. He was a very famous Hollywood special effects. Wilson, creator. Dan Wilson. Okay, cool. They spent so much money on that effect 
that they just had to use it for stock footage all the time. And mm -hmm. the time he transformed, he would run around the corner and then another animal would come running out. So. I remember that, that transformation sequence. Okay, well, yeah. it's awesome. Just go watch it. Go watch <laughs> We are out of time. All right, so put that on your schedule to do and uh, we'll talk at you again in one week's time. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your dukes up. Animal.